Good morning. For those who are not uh, with us this morning in Bible class, we talked about preaching um, and it being an act of worship. And um, there was a lot of things said uh, in that class building me up. And uh, so there's a lot of pressure on me this morning not to, uh, not to be dull or uh, long-winded. However, as we read in Acts chapter 20, verse 7, Paul spoke until midnight. So I'm going to take that inspiration and... Uh, I'm kidding. Um, so we uh, start now in our reading through the Bible in, in 2018. We've now gotten into Hebrews. Hopefully you read through uh, Hebrews 2 through 7. We're going to finish up. Our reading this week is going to be uh, Hebrews 8 through the end of the, cha- end of the book. There we go. End of Hebrews 8 through 13. Um, and so from this uh, first section of Hebrews, of course, we kind of read an intro chapter last week, but um, the first several chapters of the book of Hebrews shows the author's concern that uh, the Jewish Christians need to remain steadfast and firm in their faith and that they not make the same mistakes of departing from the faith uh, and uh, departing from God as many of their ancestors did. Of course, the entire Old Testament is, is full of of just how often um, the the Israelites and the Jews um, departed from from their um, belief in God, constantly grumbling, constantly turning towards idols, and God constantly punishing them and re- and preserving a remnant. Ultimately, that remnant preserved to bring about Christ. Now, the author's focus thus far has been twofold. The first part of it uh, is to illustrate the superiority of Jesus. Um, superiority of Jesus to the prophets, to to the angels, to Moses, the superiority of the new command or the uh, the New Testament, the new covenant. Um, but also uh, the the other side of his focus is to encourage um, the Hebrews who this letter is written to, hence the name, um, to um, continue being faithful in light of the fact that Jesus is superior than all of those other things. Um, in the two in, in two different exhortations, really, in the opening chapters, we see Jesus, or I'm sorry, the writer here, uh, encouraging the Hebrews to uh, remain faithful. They must, uh, in, in Hebrews chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, he talks about how they must pray, um, or I'm sorry, must pay close attention to what they have heard. To pay close attention to the teachings and to, um, to uh, the scriptures, even um, in order that they not drift away. Uh, in Hebrews chapter 3, verses 12 through 14, he encourages them to exhort one another daily, to encourage one another. Our bulletin note uh, talks about that this morning as well. Now, to put all of these things another way, to remain faithful, we must be diligent in our study of the word. We have to hear the word, we have to do the word, and in order to pay close attention to what we have heard, well, we have to read it, and we have to be diligent about studying the word of God. We need to be diligent in our encouraging of one another daily. Uh, That is our brethren, our brothers and sisters in Christ, encouraging one another to remain faithful. Other things, of course, are also necessary. And in our text to focus this morning in Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16, uh, which again we just heard read uh, by Brother Dave, There is another way by which we can remain faithful. The main thought of this passage is that we should come boldly to the throne of grace, is what the New King James Version has. And I love love that phrasing, come boldly before the throne of grace. In the ESV, it says, confidently draw near to the throne of grace. But what does that mean? 
What is the throne of grace? How does one draw near to it? How does one have confidence to do so? And why should we be diligent in doing so? These are the questions I hope to answer this morning as we take a closer look uh, here at Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. And so we begin this morning by looking at what it means to come boldly before the throne of grace. Really, the throne of grace is just another way of saying the throne of God. It's God's throne. In uh, Psalm uh, 89, verse 14, it says, Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Steadfast love and faithfulness go before you. God's throne is made up of several things. It is one of righteousness. It is one of justice. It is one of mercy. It is one of truth and grace. These are the things on which God sits. He is known for these things and He is the source of these things. Verse 16 of our scripture this morning in Hebrews chapter 4 emphasizes that God's throne is one of mercy, one where kindness, grace, and benevolence can be found. Now the expression, draw near, in the ESV, um, the New King James Version has let us come. Uh, I think other versions have approach the throne of grace. This is a really interesting phrase. This is actually a priestly expression, an expression that is used throughout the Old Testament in terms of how priests were to approach God. In Leviticus chapter 21, we actually read it several times in this section. In verses 17 through 21, listen to how many times the priests are told and in how many different ways they are told to come before or to approach. Verse 17, speak to Aaron, saying, None of your offspring throughout their generations who has a blemish may approach to offer the, this bread of, uh, or the bread of his God. For no one who has a blemish shall draw near a man blind or lame or one who has a mutilated face or a limb too long or a man who has an injured foot or an injured hand or a hunchback or a dwarf or a man with a defect in his sight or an itching disease or scabs or crushed testicles. No man of the offspring of Aaron, the priest, who has a blemish, shall come near to offer the Lord's food offering, since he has a blemish. He shall not come near to offer the bread of his God. Now that's a really long list and a weird thing to, to read in, the, in a sermon about coming near to the throne of God, right? But that's what God told Aaron in terms of the, Levitic, uh, the Levitical priest, the Levi, the, the line of Levi. No priest should come before God if they had a blemish. And of course, there's many blemishes that were described there. But how they come before God, how they present themselves, how they approach God was the sole focus of that. It, and in our, in our study this morning in Hebrews and, and really throughout the Bible, when it's spoken of, it's how we approach God for worship and for prayer. Its, it's use here suggests that the, the priestly privilege of access to God has now been extended to all Christians. And as we saw in Leviticus, only certain individuals had that privilege. Right? It was limited in the Old Covenant. Only certain individuals could come before God in any way. But now, those who are in Christ can all draw near to God in worship and in prayer. And it doesn't matter whether you have a blemish or not, because guess what? We all do. And that should encourage us to have confidence, to be bold 
in going before the throne of grace. The Greek word here is also quite interesting, and I believe was used with the purpose of illustration and encouragement. The word literally means to pour forth or utter either individually or collectively. What's also interesting is that in ancient Greece, this word was used to describe the right of a citizen to speak his mind on any subject in the town assembly. However, only full citizens had this right. The slaves did not. And as we see it used here in Hebrews, it stands for our freedom as Christians, as citizens of the kingdom of heaven, to approach God and to do so without hesitation, without worry. And of course, this is all made possible by the blood of Jesus. Now, something else that is written here in Hebrews, if you look over in Hebrews chapter 10, something from our reading for this week, verses 19 through 22. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that He opened for us through the curtain, that is, through His flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. There is so much in that verse, those verses, and in fact, that may even be our sermon for next week. little preview. But we have confidence to enter the holy places, the throne of grace, because of the blood of Jesus. Now, the, the word that's used there in terms of confidence and boldly carries with it the definition of both individually and collectively, meaning the way that we approach God the way that we approach the throne of grace, we do so both by ourselves and as a body. When we gather together and we worship God, we are doing so collectively and individually. See how both of those things tie in? Now this passage that we're looking at in Hebrews chapter 4 and in the passage that we just read in Hebrews 10 speaks of the wonderful privilege that Christians have through prayer to approach our gracious God with full confidence that He hears our prayers. And it's important to utilize this privilege. And in our text this morning in Hebrews 4, we find several reasons why we should do so. The first reason why we should come boldly to the throne of grace is because we have not yet entered the promised rest. What does that mean? Well, if you're still in Hebrews chapter 4, there is a promised rest For the people of God. Look at verse 1. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. So, this rest, we need to fear that we may not reach it, lest we fall short, right? And if you look down in verse 11, it says, let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. It means it's possible to fall short of that rest. We need to be diligent. We need to strive, he says, to enter that rest. And this being true, we need all the mercy and the grace that we can get. Amen. We should come boldly 
to the throne of grace because of the high priest that we have. In Jesus, of course, we have a great high priest, Hebrews 4.14 says, one who sits above the heavens, who sits in the presence of God on our behalf. That's what Hebrews 9.24 says. In Jesus, we have a sympathetic high priest. Right? Verse 15 of Hebrews 4, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. The word sympathy there literally means to suffer with. The Greek word suggests an intensity that is lost in the, word, in the English word sympathy. That there's suffering involved. One commentator describes it as the feeling of one who enters into the suffering and makes it his own. Jesus' sympathy is because He was tempted as we are, but yet He was without sin. And that qualifies Him to be our merciful and faithful High Priest. Listen to Hebrews chapter 2, verses 17-18. through 18. Therefore He had to be made like His brothers in every respect, so that He might become a merciful and faithful High Priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. What a blessing to have such a high priest who is able to aid us when we are being tempted because he too has been there. And he took, our, he took on our sufferings and they, he made them his own. And he took them to the cross. Hebrews 7, verses 23 through 25. The former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. But he holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God. There's that word again. Those that draw near to God, how? Through him, through Christ since He always lives to make intercession for them. Not only do we have a high priest who was tempted just as we are, he knows what it's like, he took our sufferings to the cross, he made that sacrifice, the propitiation for sins, to cover up our sins, those who are in Christ. But He is working for us. He is interceding for us. Should we not take advantage of that? And another thing that verse, or chapter 7 speaks to is that all of these priests that numbered many, they all died. But Jesus lives. And we too will die someday. And when we die, will we still have that opportunity to pray and have Jesus make intercessions for us? He is able to save the uttermost, those who draw near to God through Him. And since He is always lives to make intercession for them, does this not encourage us to come boldly before the throne of grace? Because mercy and grace awaits. That's why we should come boldly before the throne. Christians continue to need two things throughout their lives. The first is mercy. That's forgiveness of sins. We all sin. We all fall short of the glory of God. 
To to deny that is to deceive yourself and to prove the lack of truth within you. And to deny that you are without sin, or to deny that you do sin, you make God a liar. That's what John writes in 1 John chapter 1, verses 8-10. through 10. We need mercy. We also need grace. Grace to help in the time of need. Meaning we need God's favor to help, though it's not deserved, right? That's what grace is. But we need His loving kindness to help us in time of need. Things like we need things like his providential protection. Right? First Corinthians chapter ten, verse thirteen. Paul writes, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. When we look at how Jesus was tempted, right, our great high priest who was tempted just as we were, but without sin, how did he overcome the temptations that faced him? Every time he recited Scripture. Every time he gave the Word of God as an answer. For the Word of God was breathed out and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for the training in righteousness, so that every man can be equipped for good works. Our way of escape, our way to endure temptation is through God's Word. It's through diligent study of His Word. Is by going to God in prayer in those times of temptation and leaning on that throne of grace. Philippians chapter 4, verse 13 says, I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. We see that on eye black on football players, right? We see people tattoo it on their bodies, put it on bumper stickers, put it on billboards. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The Christian finds these things in answer to prayer. When we pray, we can find the strength that we need. We can find the forgiveness and protection that we need as well. 1 John chapter 1, I mentioned earlier, verses 8-10. through 10. In verse 9 there, John says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If you want forgiveness... And you've got to go to God in prayer and ask for forgiveness because there is mercy. And when we talk about coming boldly before the throne of grace, when we ask for forgiveness of sins and we are truly repentant of that sin, then we can have hope and confidence that it has been forgiven. By praying for strength from God's indwelling spirit, there is grace, grace to help in time of need. Paul did this time and time again, and he encouraged the church in Ephesus to do so as well. Look at Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 20. Paul says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to Him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us. You see, as Christians, we are privileged 
We are blessed to have that great high priest who has gone before us, who tore down that dividing wall, that veil in the temple on his death, that veil split in two. And that veil was there to separate man from the presence of God, that only one could go into that presence who was the high priest. Jesus split that in two because Jesus is now our high priest and we go to the Father through Him. When we say we pray these things in Jesus' name, it's because we are praying them through Him. He is interceding for us to the Father. And so we approach the throne of grace boldly because of the confidence that we have in Christ. Church, when we are diligent to come boldly to the throne of grace, what do we find? We find a graceful God and a sympathetic high priest. We find mercy and grace to help us in time of need. The means by which we draw near to that throne of grace is worship and prayer. Earlier in this letter in Hebrews, the writer encourages diligence in the diligent study of the Word of God. We talked about earlier in chapter 2. And then in chapter 3, the diligent exhortation of our brethren on a daily basis. It's in Hebrews chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. It's also in our bulletin. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. So if we need to be diligent to remain faithful, if we need to be diligent in our study, in exhorting of our brethren on a daily basis, then we also must add diligent prayer if we are going to find the mercy and grace necessary to hold our original confidence firm to the end. Do we appreciate the great and sympathetic high priest that we have in Jesus? Are we utilizing the opportunities that we have to come boldly before the throne of grace? And I hope that this passage in Hebrews chapter 4 reminds us never to take the privilege of prayer lightly, but encourage us to have the confidence of the hope that we have within us. Because when we talk about holding our original confidence firm to the end, that confidence is in Christ. That confidence is eternal life. That's our hope. As for the privilege of prayer itself, the means by which we can draw near to God, bear in mind that it is made possible by a new and living way, Hebrews chapter 10, that only by the blood of Jesus shed in His death can we come before God. Knowing that, if you are outside of the blood, then that privilege isn't available. We can't come boldly before the throne of grace if we don't have an intercessor there to make our our path straight. I've talked before about how Jesus is like the phone line. How we connect to God, we got to get through the phone line. And if you don't have a phone line, you can't get there. That's why the sinner's prayer can't save those who are lost. Because they don't have that connection to be forgiven. Have you been washed in the blood of Jesus for the remission of your sins? 
For those that are seeking this wonderful blessing, give careful attention to the words by the disciples sent by Jesus to Saul of Tarsus in Acts chapter 22, verse 16. He said, And now why do you wait? Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on His name. Baptism is the means by which we are joined and united with Christ in a death like His, and we are raised to walk in a newness of life, free from sin. And it is through baptism by which we become part of Christ, part of His church, part of His kingdom, and in which we can now approach the throne of grace boldly and with confidence. If we can assist you this morning with baptism, if you desire to be restored, or if you have any other need, now is the time that you can come forward while we stand and sing.